Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Social on Johnson Street in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Professor of Finance and Director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch Acadiana. Here in Acadiana, we take the term Southern hospitality pretty seriously. We're proud of how we welcome people into our homes and into our businesses. And for some of us, hospitality is our business. Today, I want to introduce you to two people who are at very different ends of the hospitality industry, Herbie Schilling and David Bio. David is the founder and owner of one of Lafayette's favorite institutions, Tikkun's Restaurant. David started Tikkun's in 1993, and he's still there every day in the kitchen cooking. David, thanks for taking the time out of Tikkun's to come eat with us at Social. Uh, welcome out to lunch. Well, thank you. This is my Bob Moore radio voice, <laughs> and we're going to have a blast. Oh, this <laughs> that's great. Herbie Schilling spreads around hospitality on a grand scale. Since 1950, his family company, Schilling Distributing, has been wholesaling Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch products, and more. Recently, a wider range of beverages all across Acadiana. Herbie, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. Now, David, when you started Tikkun's, you'd never owned or even managed a restaurant before. You came to it from the creative side as a cook. Uh, I would have to assume, given the fact that you've survived for almost a quarter of a century, that you figured out the business side pretty early on. But I'm sure there was some sort of learning curve. If, if you were starting out again, uh, if you knew then what you know now, uh, would you do anything differently? First of all, I wasn't looking to open a restaurant. I was looking for a place to do my catering out of. Okay. Festivals International, for example. You had a booth over there and... Might need to start with 500 pounds of boudin. You have the, you need the capability of making another 300 pounds. You're not gonna start a festival and run out of food once you get all your upfront costs covered. So, in search for another location, um, in lieu of my dad's grocery store at night. Okay. <laughs> I found my first location downtown, and, uh, and I can cook a plate lunch. Let's do both. <laughs> now, I noticed when we go over there, the crew eats there in the morning. Uh, um, the, the menu doesn't mention the word Cajun. Is there a reason for it? A lot of restaurants here do. Yeah. Um, I think the gumbo in Nashville... <laughs> Did it. <laughs> it was a Cajun gumbo, which sounds redundant, um, but it wasn't gumbo. So with that in mind, if I got to tell you I'm a Cajun, you haven't seen my kitchen <laughs> and my row of black iron pots. <laughs> and the name, where's the name come from? Uh, Tikkun was my dad's nickname, T.I., Little Coon, yep. French. And smart like I am, after my third festival, I figured I needed a sign. <laughs> Only took three. <laughs> Only took three. So I think my first sign read, T. Coons, 
Boudin, Cracklin, and Jambalaya. And that's stuck. When did you move to the new location? 14 years ago. Wow, so hardly new. Hardly <laughs> new. <laughs> Herbie, distributing beer is a business that on the face of it, you might not think it changes very much. You get beer in from the brewery, you put it on trucks, and you deliver it. But like all businesses, I'm sure the, it's way more complex than it looks from the outside. For example, in 2003, you opened a new 150,000-square-foot complex. That's the kind of capital-intensive investment you only make when you have to. Uh, so how has the beer distribution business changed uh, since the company was founded back in the middle of the last century and since you've taken over? Well, number one, I've represented one brewery. I'm Anheuser-Busch. Now we represent 250 breweries. <laughs> we represent um, the local breweries here, um, Tash Brewing and Parish Brewing. Um, we sell um, liquor, um, wine and spirits. We sell non-alcoholics, water, soft drinks. So wow. it's, it's fast. Yeah. And so I built this extra space and told my son, if you're going to be successful, you use it. If you're not going to be successful, then shame on us. <laughs> and you said you've got a, you have a son, you have a lot of children and a ton of grandchildren, right? That is correct. Eight children, all married, and 19 grandchildren <laughs> with one on the way. We'll have 20 um, in March, and they'll all be under nine years of age. <laughs> wow. So, now I know what you're doing. That's uh, the, Now, if, are you one of those families that's uh, been in Acadiana for you know generations and generations? Or? My father came down here in the 20s to play baseball. Whoa. Um, he was a very good athlete. He played baseball, and... Um, by 1934, he was part owner of the Lafayette White Sox. That was the old Evangeline League? Not yet. Yeah, okay, I've heard father, a lot about that. My father formed the Evangeline oh. League. Whoa. So he had the Lafayette White Sox. He was partners with Friend Bustani, who later on went on to open Evangeline Made Bakery. And um, he played ball, he played second base. My uncle played first base. My uncle ended up going to the Yankees and played behind Lou Gehrig. Of course, you don't have to play much behind Lou Gehrig because no, he never sat the No, absolutely, 2,000 games in a row. So baseball was their love. They started the Evangeline League. They grew the team to where they, the league to where they had teams between Mobile and Beaumont, Texas. Life was pretty good. My father at age 37 got called to World War II and I wasn't born yet. Okay. And uh, he had no children. And um, he goes to war for two years. He, he comes back, or three years, and he comes back. And baseball, Branch Frickie formed the minor league system as you know it today. Yeah. So baseball wasn't an opportunity. Through having Tennessee walking horses on the property where our location is today on Moss Street, backs up to I-10, I-49, yep. he had a farm. And he showed these horses, and one of the people he showed against was the state manager for Anheuser-Busch, Sidney Butall, who lived in Jennings. <laughs> so Mr. Bush, August Bush Jr., was going to convert the distributorship from food distributors to independent distributors. Sidney encouraged my father to go meet August Bush Jr. at the Capitol House in Baton Rouge. My father went there. August Bush Jr. owns the St. Louis Cardinals. My father was a baseball <laughs> player. August Bush Jr. owns the Clydesdales. My father had horses. They <laughs> became fast friends. <laughs> wow, and that was uh, 1950? Well, all that occurred in 49. We opened January 1, 1950. Wow. And how big is your footprint? Just six parishes. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty big, though. Well, the 
pure beer drinkers. You know, we, <laughs> one ninety cuts the Catholic and the Baptist off, and you can see consumption increase below one ninety. I'm glad you're south of I-10. That's a what th makes it big is beer. <laughs> six parishes. Why now with, with the economy the way it is, uh, uh, slowing down a bit. I mean, do you, have you seen it in your business? I mean, people now reaching for a five-pack or anything like that? Well, this this economy is the worst I've experienced. So we, you were we, here in the 80s and I was sure. here, yeah. I was here in the 80s. I, you know, I, I took over the business in 77. My father contracted cancer. You know, so I've seen it all. Um, but people are moving out of this town in droves. You know, they, they lost their jobs. Their houses flooded. Their cars flooded. They have no jobs, no house. And the school system here is not that great. So you had your kid in private school. You can't afford to send them to private school. They leave. They go to. They Any go idea to on how many folks we have 10, lost? 10,000. In Acadiana? That's what we were told by Lita. 10,000 people. Wow. They, uh, there's less people eating smothered chicken on your side, or uh, how are things going over? I'm not going to complain because. It is crowded whenever we go, by the way. <laughs> I'm very fortunate. I, you know, I got to say that. Um, am I doing the numbers? No. It's impossible. All my hourly guys are gone. But yep. at the same time, they're not eating at Ruth Chris That's for true. lunch. They're still bringing their customer for a $12 meal, you know. So it's been a trade-off. But overall, of course, I'm down. You know, it... When we go over there, one of the things we see is that uh, you not only have the restaurant, which is terrific, but you've got a um, kind of a side, a side business there, the, uh, the seasonings. Is that, um, is that relatively new? or? No, I've always done it. I, I looked into the Walmart and all and just got really, um, you know, a, another local distributor. I, I was going to get on board with him, and, and he would have done it, and... But do we n really need another can of seasoning on a shelf? <laughs> you know? so, but yours has the best. It's just called the yeah, stuff? Yeah, it's the best. I understand that. But I'm also <laughs> realistic. Do you really need another seasoning at Walmart? You know? Right. And the, the margin is so... So I ship it all across the country. You've got an internet presence, right? Right. And... <laughs> Could it be more probably? <laughs> I have my handfuls every day in the kitchen. <laughs> and you are there every day. Is there, is there a reason? Or is there, um, can you not get anyone to get that exact Peter, recipe? Peter. Yeah. Peter. Your wife, your jobs, your kid. Out of sight, out of mind. You'll lose them all. <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> The best thing that's happened to a lot of us is this bad economy. In what way? We're, we're back in the mix. <laughs> Our margins will be a lot better when things come back. And it's just a matter of sticking through it a little bit. They, uh, uh, how's it feel? Herbie, how's it feel different than the, the 80s? I remember just how bad that was. Is, does this feel longer? It's, it's certainly similar in that it's a supply-side oil problem. It's... You know, the market's been flooded. It's not demand. It's um, longer. We didn't have the movement out of yeah. in the past. We had people stay, suffer, get by. Um, 
today's lifestyle dictates I can't suffer. I, I, I've got to move. I got to go. I got to do. Um, you know, I stayed as soon the oil industry for coastal restoration and the oil companies are going, okay, close the office. You can come to Houston or Dallas right. or, or you can be unemployed. There's nothing to eat so, there. So Lafayette down Highway 90 to Homa is devastated. Baton Rouge is doing fine. New Orleans is doing fine. Lake Charles is doing fine. North Louisiana, you know, it's just been North Louisiana forever. You know, they, they don't have a lot of activity. And, and here we are. This one corridor is just devastated. Yeah. Now, Herbie, you're uh, you're kind of a human conglomerate, though, right? You not only have the the, the beer distribution, but uh, let's see, you have your partner in a, is it a rice mill? Yes, we're, we're partners in a rice mill. Um, J.B. Broussard Rice Mill in Mermintal was shuttered, bankrupt, um, and J.B. was a good friend of my father's, a law supporter of Budweiser because it was brewed with Louisiana rice. I was approached about investing in reopening, That's and great. we took it from a shuttered rice mill to where we're the third largest in the United States. Whoa. We have um, no we bought the Supreme Rice Mill in Crowley. We bought the Eunice Rice Mill in Eunice. We bought Riceland Rice Mill in Crowley, and then we were bought by um, the rice company out of Sacramento. Uh, and Butch's son Bobby um, replaced him when Butch died, and Bobby is working there. And we own 12% of a billion-dollar company now. Wow, that and then you've got. Uh, see a trucking logistics company. That's fairway, fairway trucking and logistics. That's run by my stepson Chris West. See, it's a good thing to have all these kids. Well, and that's probably why I'm in the business, so they <laughs> all wouldn't have to go to the same trough. <laughs> <laughs> now I know why I have an employee problem. Is that they're all over there? I don't have enough kids. <laughs> You're listening to out to lunch. My guests are Herbie Schilling from Schilling Distributing and David Bio, the owner of Tikkun's Restaurant. David. Is there always an exit strategy when you own a business? I have one. Um, I put it up for sale last year. Got a buyer. Chickened out. Went up on the price. Oh, you he chickened accept- out or he went up? <laughs> no, I chickened out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't sleep. Um, went up on the price. He accepted. And I backed out. But it, it's a good strategy. It's... You know, I rent my location. Uh, it's a way to get out with a few dollars. Right, yeah. Instead of just closing it. Um, but I also have a machine shop. You can imagine um, how busy we are. That was oil field tied, too, probably. But going back to what I said, best thing could happen to that machine shop is the economy. They're going to be so on top of their game when it comes back. That's we've I seen mean, in every we've, cycle. Slow as it's been, we've paid off debt. We've kept the doors open, you know. Is, uh, and you, and you're, yourself, Herbie, with the uh, with the beer company. I mean, I guess you <laughs> you've got enough uh, children to to take it all over at some well, point. Well, we've had that conversation, and, and my youngest son, Buddy Schilling, you know, wants the opportunity to run it, and and he's going to have that opportunity. And we've had generational planning to where. The grandchildren will have that opportunity, and um, you know he can grow it into what he wants to be. You know, you're, you're a distributor, so that's what you are. And what do you distribute to be from 
liquid to food to anything. Well, that's a good way to look at that. Is that a tough conversation to have at the Thanksgiving table? Or? Yes, it is. Family <laughs> is because um, you make one happy, seven mad. Well, I have a question for you. It dawned on me, um, this has been three weeks and I haven't done anything about it, and I well intend to. My rice is coming in a sack with Japanese print on it. What the hell is going on there? Well, we actually um, sell 98% of our rice overseas to different countries. Um, so a lot of our rice that we ship will go to, um, like we have a company in Haiti, and we have a company in Africa. We'll ship the rice there, we'll bag the rice there, and we'll put it in Haitian um, riding, and we'll put it in, so other companies buy rice and put Japanese logo, but you may be buying Japanese um, rice from California, um, you know, I don't know what rice you're buying. Or it could buying. come from right here, I guess, even though. Very unlikely. Unlikely, okay. We, we don't, you know, we have some, if you buy local rice, it'd be Supreme Rice, that's our logo. And we have brown rice, we have medium grain. I use the grain. brown rice. But I, I, how can I wake up one day and <laughs> realize you, I'm you, selling you, Chinese you, rice? You, well, you can, I don't know, shame on you. <laughs> I mean, is it the crawfish scenario? I mean, are we paying them to sell it to us? No. Well, well if we Hawkins. are, Donald Trump has thought that. <laughs> but I don't know where you buy Who's supplying you this rice? Well, I'm not going to go there. On, <laughs> on there but yeah, but you, I will. You ought to buy from a better distributor. <laughs> the bottom line, it's all about the price. He's getting it cheaper from China. Oh, we, we got brown rice and Crowley. You tell me you're going to get it cheaper than China? We talking about crawfish? We talking about brown we rice. We talking about crawfish? We talking about brown rice. Because I can get crawfish cheaper than down the street. From China. Anywhere. Yeah. Spain, China. That's cra We're, the, we're the, paying them to sell it to us. And, and Donald Trump said that. 27 years ago in an Oprah Winfrey interview. I saw it. She was skinny. <laughs> she ate all the rice. The brown rice is better for you. That's what I, that's what I hear. With they, gravy. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> so. Hey, Herbie, I got to ask you, so you're part of the business. Uh, people always ask me, why doesn't Budweiser just do that themselves? Why, why is there a, a distributor? Well, it, um, the three-tier system was created after Prohibition. Uh, before Prohibition, they did it themselves. Ah. And the government structured it to where breweries can only sell to distributors, distributors can only sell to retailers. I can't own a retailer, retailer can't own a distributor. Ah. Um, it's an efficient way to monitor the product. You know, if we have a problem with a code, they don't want a beer, we can walk in and know exactly where it is, pick it up, get it out of there. Plus, we are efficient tax collection machine. Fifty-two percent of a beer is tax. Fifty-two percent of that bottle you drink is tax. Wow, Jesus! Uh, and plus, you have trucks 
Anheuser-Busch had those Clydesdales delivering. That was very slow. There's uh, <laughs> Now, Herb, David, this is the part of the show we call your brother-in-law. It's uh, You're at work one day, and your phone rings. You see it's your brother-in-law calling. He usually only calls when he's looking for a dinner invitation. But this time, it's not the same old conversation. Uh, David, your brother-in-law has a great idea. He's been in Los Angeles for a week, and he couldn't get a decent meal the whole time he was there. He's pretty sure that if you opened a tikkuns out there, those L.A. types would be lining up for smothered rabbit and biscuits and gravy. He's even prepared to quit his job as a bar back at the Blue Moon and move out to L.A. and manage tikkuns west for you. What do you say? Are you in? Hell no. Hell no. I've helped open two other restaurants. I set them up, showed them how to prepare the food, chill the food, heat it. I can't stay there and run it, but I, I gave them a system, and, and I explained things like, if you have 15 employees, see this girl, you have frying pork chops. You have to know that A, you're frying a center cut, and a minute too long, it's ruined. You don't know her. You have to know exactly what she's doing. And everybody in here, you have to know everything everyone is doing, or they're killing your business. So give me six months a, a year with my brother-in-law, and let me make a decision then. Okay. But you can't just see what I see. Same with Herbie. There's just no way. Well, right. I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, what he's asking you is to begin a franchise. Franchises are very successful, but the vast, vast majority fail. And it's because they don't replicate exactly what they're supposed to. So to have a successful franchise, that person's got to come in, work hands-on with you, learn um, what you do, why you do it, go open his own restaurant, then you have to have checks and balances to ensure that he is doing that. And 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 that's that's a whole different business model yeah. than running one I restaurant. I don't have enough yeah. brother-in-laws to go through till I can find one that can emulate me. It's just a numbers game, just like hiring an employee. Come on, what are the chances? Yeah. But you look at Ruth Chris, you know, they franchise it out, then they make sure those people know how to do it exactly the same. It, you know, and the key to success is you get a good, solid piece of steak the same way cooked every place you go. Right. Just like McDonald's, you know, the right. consistency. It's all about consistency. And as a bush, you know, you pick up a Budweiser here, you pick up a Budweiser in Europe, same taste. <laughs> well, now, Herb, your brother-in-law's got a great idea for how you can compete with the new artisanal breweries that are popping up. Uh, uh, buy one of them. Then you can legally have the right to open a tap room, and you can book bands, sell food, and, and whatever you know, to do a whole other kind of business and income. Uh, and your brother-in-law is prepared to give up his job at the rice mill to run the place for you. What do you say? Well, um, first of all, it's illegal and, and immoral in my opinion. Why would I want to compete against my customers? Oh, that's why, why would my customer want to buy product from me so I can make profit to compete against him? That makes sense. Absolutely. What, now, I do want to ask you about the, all the craft beers. Uh, do they eat into um, your profits, or have they made the, the whole market bigger? Craft beers, um, we sell a lot of craft beers. The 
consumption rate of craft beers is not as fat as a Bud Light, a Michelob Ultra, a Budweiser, because it's, it's beginning to be like wine. People want to sample this. They want to okay. critique it. You know, it's not something you sit down with ball crawfish and, and you, know, you, you, you drink and, <laughs> you know. So crab beer is a whole different mindset. When they come in here and order crab beer, they may drink two. If they're watching football and they're drinking Michelob Ultra, they may drink four, you know. So it cuts yeah. the volume in half, <laughs> minimum. I didn't think of that. Now, are there certain, is, it, is the beer business somewhat seasonal? Well, the beer business is seasonal only because, as he said, summer months are very slow because people vacate, colleges out, right. um, people go on vacation. So this town slows down. So the people here are drinking more beer than ever because they're hot as hell. <laughs> and, and when they finish cutting the grass, they want to have a beer and, and, and nothing else is going to satisfy them. They're not going to have a martini after cutting grass. I can assure you that. <laughs> And um, certainly when crawfish season comes in, beer consumption picks up because you will not eat ball crawfish and drink wine or right. that, that just martinis like a sin. or old fashions. <laughs> you, know, you will drink beer. Now, Budweiser beer is one of the most widespread products on the face of the earth. Smothered rabbit is one of those culinary specialties you can only find in this part of the world. The good news is right here in Acadiana is the only place on earth you can get a plate of David Bio's smothered rabbit and wash it down with one of Herb Schilling's buds. Herbie, Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today and out to lunch. Uh, really appreciate it. Thank You're you welcome. Sorted. My guests and out to lunch today have been David Bio. He's the owner of Tikkun's Restaurant and Herbie Schilling, owner and chairman of the board of Schilling Distributing. You can find out more about Herbie's drinks and David's food by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. And Christian is our researcher. Our theme song on Commissure Nice Guy is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Our Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escaday. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Social Southern Table and Bar in Lafayette. Social is open six days a week for lunch and dinner and brunch on Sundays. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos of this show on our website and Facebook page. The photos were taken today by Gwen O'Quinn. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsacadiana.com and krvs.org. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Calise Saloon. Wyndham Garden is pet and family friendly with free parking, free Wi-Fi, and a free shuttle within a three-mile radius, including the airport and downtown restaurants. Additional support comes from A Biz Magazine and AcadianaBusiness.com, the essential information source for business decision makers throughout the one Acadiana region. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS. 88.7 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table for more business, Acadiana style, on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S. Providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette.